0: You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news in the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am still the host here. My name still is Alex. I haven't changed that either. And I first want to start off by saying that this episode would have come out much earlier. Uh, But I, for some reason, always get wrapped up in politics, especially around election time. So this this episode is taking place on November 9th, which is going to be when the midterm elections were taking place because your boy cannot stop watching polls after they've closed and the results are coming in. So I would have been done hours ago, but it's kind of kept checking and getting caught up in all that But that is also, um, I was about to say unfortunately, but actually I don't think anyone wants me to go on a political rant anyway, but that is going to be the furthest political I get unless, of course, an actual shark does run for president, in which case I will be endorsing that candidate unless they have terrible, terrible things to represent. But I don't think they could. Mostly they probably just want more fish. But anyway, I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Shark 2024, let's put a fish in office. Uh, but I would also like to say that this is not officially endorse any candidate whose last name is Shark or any candidate whose nickname is Shark as well. So just to clear the water, there are so many puns right here. I did not mean any of them, but they work. But uh, this week for the Shark that we're going to do, I did say in the earlier episode that we're going to revisit the Shark at a certain time. And that's because at the time I bit off a lot more than I could chew uh, so I didn't realize there was going to be this many species of this shark and that all of them were going to be so different. I thought that they would all overlap, hence they'd all be classified very similarly, but then they weren't. So I'm, I'm going to break this up into a two-parter, technically a three-parter, uh, but with this I do want to keep that other episode up so I just won't be replacing it. It'll just still be there and then we'll come back to it now. But with this, of course, we're going to be looking at the Hammerhead once again, breaking it into two different sections, as I should have the first time, but kind of rushed it, so here we are, making up for that mistake. As always, of course, please do follow Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram, so that way we can go ahead and get any more suggestions or anything like that, Uh, and any questions, of course, anything else you'd like to send that way, Uh, or if you just want to tell me your favorite sharks, too, I'm very happy to hear about that, too. But this week we're going to be going over the hammerhead once again, as I mentioned. But we'll only be focusing on four of them this episode because there are nine species total. So I've broken it up so that way there are four one episode, uh, four in the next episode, which that math adds up to eight. But I am going to be excluding one simply because there's not a whole lot of information on it. That is going to be the Carolina hammerhead. That's pretty much the only thing I could find is that they have pupping grounds commonly in Bulls Bay, South Carolina. Now, I looked on multiple sources, and that was pretty much the main thing about them. Uh, there wasn't really anything about their description or, or too too much else, so the information I could get on the others was a lot more. Now, of course, I don't think anyone wants me to suddenly just have an episode where the shark portion of it, or at least the species portion of it, is looking at about one minute of, yep, they're located here. Thanks for listening. Maybe you do. If you do, we'll start doing episodes like that. It'll work out, too. You tell me what you want. But with this, if there is more information that comes out in the future about the Carolina Hammerhead or if people send me more information about it, I will be more than happy to share that. So if you know something else about it, please tell me. I'd be very happy to learn. But. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about four species this episode, and that is going to be all the ones that go by the actual Hammerhead name. So i will be the Great Hammerhead, Scalloped Hammerhead, Smooth Hammerhead, and Small Eye Hammerhead. Next episode, we're going to be looking at the Winghead, Bonnethead, Scalloped Bonnethead, and the Scoophead. So the ones that mostly have the head uh, last bit of their name, but definitely have a little bit uh, different classification there um although a lot of times when they're seen in the wild people think they're hammerheads anyway which they fall in the same species but that's a whole bunch of other things i can get into now the way i've decided to organize this i wanted to go with the smallest hammerhead first and then go up from there as most people know and love uh, the great hammerhead i figured let's go with the smaller ones first so we're going to start off with the smallest one which is going to be the small eye hammerhead So it only ranges around 4.9 feet or 1.5 meters, although it can get up to uh, 1.3 meters, more commonly around uh, 4.3 feet. So it's going to be a little bit smaller than the size it can grow up to. Uh, But they're also found pretty much only around the east coast of South America, mostly in between the countries of Venezuela and Uruguay. It's described as being rather slender, which is in line with other species of hammerheads, although hammerheads tend to be very slim species when it comes to their width of them. I don't know why I emphasize width like that, but we decided to do so. Uh, they also don't travel too far from shore. Uh, don't go into very deep waters, only around 5 to 40 meters, or about 16 to 131 feet deep. And it tends to be murky water as well, which is can be kind of deep uh, but also not very deep especially when it comes to being about a 4.9 foot shark that's actually pretty shallow they also can move over into brackish water but not fresh water so the bull shark as we mentioned in the last episode is able to go into fresh water or salt water depending on its habitat but the uh, small eye hammerhead they can only go into brackish water so they still need that salt water there now they pup annually, uh, and they will go into tidal waters around August and September, uh, and then they have low numbers of pups and are frequently caught as bycatch, which is why they are critically endangered, unfortunately. So they're ones about two steps away from being extinct, which is actually a very sad thing. Uh, but that's really what I had for the small eye, not too, too much there. Uh, they're also a newer species that was recently, I don't wanna say recently classified, but more recently classified, I should say. So we're going to move on to the scalloped hammerhead. Now this one's going to have a little bit of a different I guess description as well because this isn't this one's going to depend on the gender of the shark as well. So males usually range from 1.5 to 1.8 meters or 4.9 to 5.9 feet, uh, while females are going to be a little bit bigger, going from 2.5 meters or 8.5 feet there. So somewhere in that range, females tend to be a lot larger than males. Uh, the largest largest scalloped hammerheads, though, they tend to get up to 14 feet or 4.3 meters and around 336 pounds or 152 kilograms. Although the heaviest uh, single The scalloped hammerhead was caught off the coast of Miami. That one was actually 440 pounds or 200 kilograms, but only came in at about 10 feet or 3.26 meters. This one was also pregnant, which added to the weight. Uh, So not the whole scandal where people were putting weights in fish. Uh, This one actually had a baby. So I feel like that one, if you caught it, still would count. Uh, but they also typically live around 500 meters or 1,600 feet below the surface and usually are found in tropical or temperate waters uh, outside of the tropics following the warm currents, especially with the summer months. These sharks are said to have complex brains. Uh, They can equate to a higher level of brain function, uh, which helps to work with social intelligence, cognitive capabilities, sensory motor functions, complex Uh, habitat interactions, sorry I lost my place for a second there, Uh, complex migratory patterns, and especially when it comes to capturing prey. Now these sharks also do tend to have a high metabolism, so they're frequently found hunting for prey, um, pretty much anything that they can get their mouths on, Uh, mostly sticking to herring, mackerel, and sardines, but they do also go into other fish, and larger sharks will uh, go after larger prey, so moving away from just those three fish there. They are a schooling shark, meaning that they will travel in packs of sometimes up to 100 or more, especially when it comes to hunting for trickier prey, so using the strength in numbers approach. It's harder to get away from a whole school of sharks rather than just getting away from one, so they'll team up, fish will dart all over the place, going right into a different shark works out for everyone involved. But they also are listed as critically endangered as of 2021, as they're being overfished especially for their heads and their fins as they get a very expensive return. Researchers were able to go to fish markets in Hong Kong, they were able to buy fins from the sellers there, and then through genetic information available on the fin, were able to pinpoint exactly where the sharks were coming from, so that way they could disrupt the fishing industry there a little bit, make sure that they couldn't get to these sharks simply for their fins, which is still a very horrible practice. Now, next one we're gonna be looking at is the smooth hammerhead. Uh, this one is going to get its name from the smooth edges on the front of its head rather than the more rigid look of the other hammerheads. This one tends to have pretty straight across edge that curves a little bit rather than having those jut in and outs as much as the other ones do. Now, this one as well is going to grow to be about 5 meters or 16 feet. It uh, can also grow up to 400 kilograms or 880 pounds. Uh, now, unfortunately, these ones are going to be the ones that are responsible for a lot of bites on humans as they are frequently touched because... They're bigger than the small eye and the scalloped, but they're also not as big as a great hammerhead, so people assume they can't really do a whole lot. So they come over to them thinking that they can touch them, they can't be that dangerous. But all sharks can be dangerous, even the whale shark, as we had mentioned, although it may be unintentional, so they're not actually trying to go out and mess someone up. These two will live in tropical waters, um, move with the warm waters as well. They're found all over the world, but most commonly in the Atlantic around the Americas. There have only been about seven confirmed sightings uh, in the British Isles. They're also commonly found around New Zealand and Australia, so in that area too. Uh, They typically stay closer to the surface, especially when compared to great hammerheads and scalloped hammerheads. They tend to be much further down. But the smooth hammerheads, they will stay less than 20 meters or 66 feet uh, from the surface but also can go into water that is as deep as about 200 meters or 600 feet. So they kind of range a little bit but definitely like to stay closer to that surface. Now, they also will be found in bays or estuaries, but like to move closer to the equator, especially uh, an open ocean, especially when it comes to the winter months, as that is when the water starts to change, and these sharks especially across all the hammerheads, they tend to enjoy that warmer water for sure. But they're listed as vulnerable, which is going to be a couple steps above uh, the critically endangered rank. I believe it's two above. And this is mostly because of conservation efforts to protect the species, especially around New Zealand and Australia, where their population numbers tend to hang around, as well as the Americas, as mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, So a lot of those uh, conservation efforts have made sure that it makes it very difficult to catch these sharks without any sort of penalty. But of course, going on to the last species of hammerhead that we will be talking about The great hammerhead, the largest of all the hammerheads, ranging from 15 to 20 feet or 4.6 meters to 6.1. Now, they're going to be in warm tropical or temperate waters, um, which also just made me realize that I'm doing a lot of warm water sharks. Now, of course, when it comes to hammerheads, there's not going to be a cold water hammerhead. At least not in this round maybe next week I'll find out that one of the other head sharks uh the big head shark probably we'll find out uh they're gonna be the ones that like colder water but uh I'm kind of wondering if anyone would like me to do a cold water shark already because I haven't done one yet and this is going to be episode nine so interesting thought here but uh, yeah, I'll probably put a poll up on Instagram uh might set up a Twitter just for polls so stay tuned uh we'll keep track of that but as I mentioned in the other episode they're going to use their heads to pin uh, prey down especially like rays and cephalopods to the seafloor and eat them after they have been stunned. Uh, This makes it easier kind of a little terrifying to think about Uh, but they tend to pin things down that way and also stir up the sand to get their prey moving and then get them that way. Now, they do also conserve their energy by doing what is known as rolled swimming. Now, this is going to be where they lean to their side a little bit, which helps to reduce the drag through the water. So they can glide a little bit easier, but it does make them a little bit less agile, which is why when they are hunting, you'll see them in that upright position. They'll be making fast, deliberate movements. But when they are just kind of swimming, moving from one station to the next, one station is at their place there, but one place to the next, they're going to just be moving towards their side more gracefully, more slowly, be a nice calm, relaxed type of state they'll be in. Now unlike some of the other hammerheads such as the I believe it was the small eye hammerhead I just talked about, these guys don't school. Uh, they tend to be uh, solidarity, uh, they are solitary, they prefer to be alone. Uh, and they prefer to hunt alone. Now it is not impossible to see them in the same area. You sometimes can see a couple together. I know a couple uh, shark weeks ago they were down in Florida and two great hammerheads were near each other, they didn't really come too close to each other. You could tell that they were watching each other from a distance, and they didn't really want to get too close. You'll also usually see them bite at each other, especially around the gills to communicate that this is my area, and things like that. It usually doesn't evolve into a fight, but they usually will kind of go back and forth, um, trying to determine whose area it actually is. But with that, that is what I have for the first four of the hammerheads. Uh, Next week, I should have the second four, and that was actually a lot of research there. Um, But yeah, one thing to quickly mention, too, is that the great hammerheads are also critically endangered, uh, especially because they're frequently the target of fishing, especially due to their size and the distinct features. So those go really well, especially on different fish markets there. But I'm going to take a quick break because that was a whole lot to keep up with. Um, but, once again, follow the Instagram if you have any questions, any comments, any concerns. And it'll probably just be a weird skip on the playback, but uh, I'll be right back. Alrighty, and I have returned. Welcome back. Maybe you went and got something to drink or anything like that. If not, it was probably a couple seconds, so... Hello again. But, <laughs> for the shark safety portion of this episode... I wanted to do what you should do if there is a shark sighted when you're at the beach. Now, this kind of covers being out of the water versus in the water a little bit there, too. Uh, And I have thrown my own two cents of this issue quite a bit. Um, And I wasn't really too far off, which is good. I don't think I was really, I don't want to say off at all because I don't think, I don't know. I don't think I was too far, which I guess is the best way to put it. (laughs) But I did want to look more into this. Uh, just to make sure that I wasn't just giving you guys a bunch of information that isn't true whatsoever. Uh, So I'd also like to give a shout out to California State University at Long Beach for the sentence in this article, because this is where I did get most of this from. uh, But the sentence in the article that said, we are guests in someone else's home, when referring to people being in the water, especially at the beach. Because what a lot of people don't realize is how unregulated the beach is. Uh, We can't just put up nets and things like that that keep the sharks and other sea life away um especially when there's been times where beaches have tried that and it ends up hurting the sea life in the area especially sharks um time and time again it's documented especially on shark week how a lot of efforts that humans have had or have tried to keep sharks away from the beach and keep us safe has ended with sharks getting hurt um dying a lot of things like that so it makes it a little bit difficult there Um, they have been looking at other things, though. Um, this is a very much a sidebar. This was not in the article. I do remember that they were u- looking at the use of uh, magnets to try to keep sharks away and have had varied success with that. I don't think that's been implemented on a lar- large scale quite yet, but that is something I might want to look at a little bit later. Um, but a lot of this article also talked about Uh, what you're more likely to be injured by uh, rather than a shark. Um, Although it's not impossible, once again, to be bit by a shark when at the beach, it is more possible to get stung by a stingray or a sea jelly, which recently, as many of you know, is going to be called a jellyfish, but because it's not really related to fish, they're calling them sea jellies now, so it works out. Um, But with this, I also recently learned, uh, by recently I mean... About half an hour ago or so from reading this article that stingrays uh, when they sting you it's not automatic death which I did not realize Um, my brain thought that apparently it was like snakes where they just sting you on sight and that's it you're done evidently it's it's really not life-threatening most of the time so that that's good to know Uh, but they did state that one of the issues is that the stingray will go under the sand to try to be less visible by their predators. Uh, the issue is that that means they're less visible for you as well. So the safest way to go about this is to do what's known as the stingray shuffle, which is a phenomenal name. But essentially, you just shuffle your feet while you're walking, uh, kind of move them around, stir up the sand a little bit. It'll get the stingrays out the way, plus the smaller sharks that are in the area, too, that might be closer to shore like that. They'll tend to move out the way as well because they don't want to get stepped on by you either. So they want to get out the way there. Um, But if stung by a jellyfish or a stingray or a sea jelly, as I just said, uh, make sure you go tell a lifeguard they handle these situations very frequently. They'll have a procedure to follow and be able to go about that. But on to the real reason why most of us are here, the sharks. Now, the first thing to know when going to a beach is know which shark species will be around you. You should know the locals, as the article put it. This can also help to determine what kind of injuries may occur. So, for example, Ocean City, Maryland, we have quite a few different species that come to visit. I believe six regular residents that it was, and then 24 that come through the area. Now, most of those are going to be offshore. You're more than likely to only encounter maybe four. But once again, I'll have to look more into that once the time comes. But example is the spiny dogfish. It gets its name because it also has a little spine uh, next to its dorsal fin, so it can jab you and impale you a little bit, but tends to not do that as much. It usually does the same thing that other sharks do, which is where it's just going to bite you. Uh, now, mind you, they are a much smaller shark. I think only about maybe two feet at the longest, but I, I don't quote me on that. Uh, this is not the dogfish episode, so also shout-out to Dogfish Head for having amazing beers. Another side note there, Anyway, but it's not going to be quite as a devastating bite as it could be from a Great White, which is what this article mostly focused on being in California. But then over here, we also do get the sandbar shark that frequently fre- frequents the area. Frequently, frequents. Solid English. <laughs> but frequently comes to the area. They're going to have a much larger bite being a much larger shark. So, once again, this article mostly focuses on California and of course, the great whites that are there. Now, I feel like though, a lot of this can be translated into different areas as well. So they said that if you see a shark in the water, make sure you keep your eyes on it and try to remain calm. They most likely are just gonna be passing by and they don't really wanna bother you. Same way that you don't wanna bother it, you're kind of impressed that it's there, you might be a little bit scared that it's there, but mostly the fact that you can just see it uh, and know what it's doing, it can kinda see you and try to figure out what you're doing, going to be doing essentially the same thing. You're not going to be quite too sure why they're there and they're not going to really know what you are. So they're probably going to circle around you a little bit and try to figure out what you are. Now with this they did uh, try say that they may try to get behind you but that is not them trying to hunt you many predators will try to get behind you mostly to see what you are capable of doing the same way that if you're trying to assess what something is you usually want to see what it is from all sides same way that if someone hands you something you typically move it around in your hands first try to figure it out rather than just kind of staring at it unless you already knew what it was but on this the shark's not going to initially just bite you and try to figure out that way they're typically going to kind of circle around you a little bit and be like huh wonder what this thing is so if you keep your eyes on it it kind of doesn't get a good idea of what you're capable of and then doesn't feel, I guess, threatened by you. But a good way to put that as well is also to, if you're on a surfboard, a boogie board, or paddle board, anything like that, any sort of board, they said to try to keep the nose in line with it as much as possible, so that way you're trained on it. And if you do lose sight of it, definitely check your six, make sure you look behind you, so that way you can see if it is behind you, if it is trying to get that better look at you. Now, they didn't then said to try to calmly exit the water and notify the lifeguard of the encounter so they can notify others to use caution when in the water too. Now, usually they're not going to shut down the beaches unless something bad happens, uh, someone gets bit, something like that. But for the most part, there's going to be like, all right, let's keep an eye out, see what's going on here. Now, another thing to look out for is aggressive behaviors. Uh, shark, especially a great white, will demonstrate quite a few. Uh, now, it did give also phenomenal... Um, what's the word diagrams and pictures and everything like that to show off what a shark might do if it is showing aggressive behaviors. Now this would be fast swimming usually a shark that's just hanging through the area is going to be doing a nice casual slow swim and you'll see it with doing smaller motions but an aggressive shark is going to be doing quick motions and definitely moving a little bit faster like that. Great whites especially as well as other sharks tend to arch their back a bit more so it's going to kind of look like how a cat would which a cat shark works too except for we're not talking about cat sharks this week and cat sharks are real by the way which we'll look at those eventually uh but obviously it's going to be making some charging motions towards you as well now apparently i i want to describe this mostly as kind of like making like a flower pattern We'll so see you kind of come in and then kind of go back out and then go in and then go back out and it's going to do this in a circular pattern as well but if the shark's not really getting too close to you if it's just calmly swimming and then kind of like going like Not zigzagging, because if it's zigzagging, too, and making, like, quick darting motions, that's also not a good sign. Um, But if it's kind of making more of, like, a wobbly circle, like, one where, like, it doesn't look like it's really making any decisive moves, it's just trying to, like, oh, I got a little bit further away, oh, I'm a little too close, like, something like that, where it just kind of looks like it's just kind of hanging out, having a good time that's a good sign that it's not going to be aggressive towards you. But if it's making a lot of aggressive motions towards you, like essentially the same way that like someone would fake a punch at you, if they're faking a charge at you, that's not a great sign. Uh, now, what you should do in that case, because of course, me just telling you, it's not a great sign. I mean, anyone could figure that out. I don't think anyone's seeing an, a, a notoriously aggressive animal. I don't want to call it an aggressive animal, which is why I stuttered there. But <laughs> seeing an animal that typically can inflict a lot of damage and typically is known for its aggressive behaviors and being terrifying and everything like that, charging at it, isn't going to be a great feeling. So what they said to do is to keep your eyes and body pointed towards the shark. You also then want to try to slowly go back towards the beach. Now, they said swiftly as well. You don't want to just hang out there and meander because this thing's trying to bite you. Uh, so you want to keep your eyes on it because it still doesn't know what you're capable of. Also try to keep body parts out of the water as much as possible. Um, but just kind of keep moving backwards towards the beach until you eventually can get in there safer. Uh, At this point, hopefully, someone will have noticed either a lifeguard or a bystander, and they can alert the lifeguard, and they'll know the best thing to do in this case, and hopefully can get you back to shore safely. And then, of course, we've talked about how to handle shark bites, everything like that. So in case worst-case scenario does happen, you guys will be hopefully a little bit safer, especially when it comes to being in the hands of a lifeguard because in these beaches where these big sharks are, it's part of their training. I don't think it's going to be anyone's first day on the job. And even if it is their first day on the job, they probably have seen a shark or two in the wild at this point. But I don't think you're going to be in bad hands, especially when you're going to a beach lifeguard because I myself was a pool lifeguard. And boy, howdy, do I have so much respect for a beach lifeguard because I remember there was one time I was talking to one one summer And I only made 7 saves in the 7 years that I was a lifeguard. It was June, and they were up to, I think it was 15 saves. So, uh, yeah, they've had double the saves I have in my entire career in just a month. So they know what they're doing. I fully trust the Beach lifeguards with my life. You have nothing to worry about in that regard as well. But we are going to move on to Shark News now. Now, there were a couple stories that I found this week. There was a few that keep cropping up. I've also had a couple people um, like my good buddy Jason and another one of my good friends, Brand, who I mentioned before. Uh, they both sent me the uh, the one that we had talked about not too long ago, uh, where it was the uh, researcher and the scientist who tried to dive in the water and then a tiger shark came up to say hello. I do think it's really cool how that video is catching a lot of attention. Bad side being that that one's catching a lot of negative attention because people are like, there's no way you're getting me in the ocean now. And I'm like... I hope y'all realize she was pretty far out in the ocean. there. Like they're not just hanging out right on the shore. Plus I don't know any of you that are going out on a boat tomorrow to go into the water like that. Now mind you, if you are, don't worry. You got people around you, so you should be good. But <laughs> with this, once again, just to kind of reiterate with that one, is that just have someone to look over your shoulder. Uh, have that extra set of eyes. It definitely cannot hurt, especially when dealing with big curious sharks, especially like the tiger shark, great white uh, Bull shark as well. Uh, they're going to be the ones that are really uh, looking out, trying to figure out what's going on. But the two stories that I have for this week. First one is starts off with hell of a fright. A shark jumps onto a boat, and this was reported by the Miami Herald. Now this one takes place in New Zealand, which I don't think I've had a New Zealand story yet. I know I had an Australia story based out of Adelaide, but this one I also apologize to the people of New Zealand. I was I I looked at the name of this town for probably a solid like five minutes and just could not figure out even the slightest way to pronounce that. And I guarantee if this podcast ever gets to New Zealand, they're going to be like, you idiot, it's and just blurted out. So feel free to send me the Webster's Dictionary and or any other type of dictionary pronunciation of that town. Thank you. But the Mako uh, took the bait bait off the line uh, and then second later jumped onto the front of the boat. Now, thankfully for these fishermen, there was the cabin, the cabin and a bunch of glass in between them and the shark, so they didn't really have to do anything. But in the video, you just kind of see it thud uh, and just kind of sit there for a second, like, kind of confused as to where it is as well. And just kind of start, like, trying to swim away, but not making too much progress. It was a smaller mako, being only around 8 feet in length and 330 pounds, but that thud, it was it was pretty hefty. <laughs> now, thankfully, they said that after a couple minutes... Shark was able to wiggle itself back into the water. Nobody had to touch it to free it. So it's also the second Mako story that I have talked about where it jumps onto a boat. Uh, so evidently this is a reoccurring theme. So if you guys are ever out in the open ocean fishing, make sure you watch the skies because evidently it's raining Makos out here. And uh, that's just kind of interesting. Um, but once again, as I've talked about in previous episodes as well, don't ever put yourself into a dangerous situation trying to get a shark free, especially one that is kind of panicked. Uh, Same way that like when your fight or flight is kicked in and you're trying to avoid uh, being stuck where you are, you're going to do a whole lot to get out of that. And a shark's probably not going to realize you're trying to help it and it might think you're trying to hurt it worse. So it might try to act aggressively in that case. So do not put yourself in a dangerous situation to save a shark. Definitely make sure you are safe first. But of course, if you can help the shark and you know how to safely do so, by all means. Now, the next one that I have uh, simply was titled Aggressive Tiger Shark Spotted Off White Plains Beach, Oahu. Now, This was by KITV. Uh, That one was that a uh, 10 to 12 foot shark was spotted off the coast of Oahu, prompting warning signs to be placed around the beach. Shark was spotted about 20 to 50 yards away from the beach, which would be a frightening sight for those that were there. Now, people were encouraged to go to the lifeguards to get more information regarding the status of the warning that was put in place and no injuries were reported. That right there was literally the entire article. I want to know where in the world that shark demonstrated any aggressive behaviors or where they debunked that that shark was showing aggressive behaviors. Because I'm not saying that a shark cannot show aggressive behaviors. As we literally just talked about in the safety portion, sharks can show aggressive behaviors. But why in the world was this shark aggressive? This is a perfect example of just a clickbait title where they realized, oh, Alex is going to be looking up that nice shark news recently. If I put aggressive in here, he's going to click on this and be like, all right, let's see if this is actually aggressive or not. And instead, it it doesn't even talk really about the shark other than its size. It was 10 to 12 foot, and it was a tiger shark. That's all we had. In what world is that being aggressive? That is existing. I I don't, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't, like, that, it's, it's so frustrating for me when I see something like that, because that shark has literally done nothing but just exist, and is now listed as aggressive. Now, if it was hunting, yes, that's aggressive. If it was going after someone, yes, that's aggressive. But if it was just in the area, that's not aggressive. That's, that's literally existing, but... Anyway, we'll probably go over another one in the next episode. I don't know. I look up the news that day, but that's what I have for the news. I did not get a third one. It is 109 in the morning, and by the time I finished up my uh, research for this week, it, it had been a couple hours, and it was pretty late. So once again, eventually I'll maybe we'll get this before midnight or before, but time will tell. But that's what we have for this week. Uh, Thank you once again for listening and being here, and thank you all so much. Uh, Make sure to follow the Instagram once again, Deep Dives with Sharks. uh, For any updates, uh, any questions, uh, tell me your favorite sharks, anything like that. Um, But also, share the podcast with whoever whoever you think might want to learn about sharks, or even people you think might not want to. You know, force sharks upon them at this point. Why not? But yeah, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your cat, tell your dog anything like that and thank you all for being here i cannot thank you all enough uh this has been a lot of fun and i'm hoping to keep doing it for a good long while but uh thank you for being here and i will talk more about hammerheads in the next one so take care guys